Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Manitoba is home to some outstanding businesses. Startups are a huge part of the success our province is seeing in terms of embracing new technologies. Some of these ideas are born out of eureka moments that need to be commercialized. A good idea only results in a good business once consumers are able to purchase your invention or idea. It's a Manitoba startup on the verge of helping solving, helping to solve a massive problem for the healthcare world and food processing. Zach Wolf is the CEO, one of the founders of Exigence, a Manitoba company on the verge of big things. We spoke to Zach earlier today and started with, with what's taking him to Germany next month. Yeah, so, you know, we've had a lot of good traction from attending various events, and uh, we find that um, in some cases the companies come here to see us, but in most cases it's because we went elsewhere to see them first. So attending these events, having the opportunity to present what we're doing, to show that Manitoba can be in certain ways really at the forefront of certain technical advancements and that we can be a serious industrial company uh, coming out of the University of Manitoba, that requires getting out and telling the story. Uh, the European Coatings Conference is one of the largest coatings conferences in the world, and uh, that's taking place in Nuremberg, uh, I believe, in just a couple weeks. And um, we were lucky enough to be accepted to present uh, at this conference. So that's a fairly competitive speaking spot. And we're there to basically talk about what we're doing, our approach to antimicrobials. I mean, antimicrobial coatings, let me take a step backwards, talk about functional coatings. Uh, today, uh, per some uh, research from Entech Research, I think uh, Lawrence Gassman is the man's name. Uh, he predicted that um, functional coatings is a $2.5 billion market today, but by 2025, it'll be a $34 billion market. So that's massive growth in a certain area. Some of it will come at the expense of uh, traditional coatings being asked to do more, and some of it will be in areas where coatings can go into areas they're currently not, solving problems like, for example, coating stainless steel to provide a new disinfection capability. One of the biggest drivers, the second largest driver of that is antimicrobial coatings. So there's a lot of interest in this. The regulatory environment has held antimicrobial coatings back, um, you know, globally. And for good reason, uh, in a lot of today's technologies are just taking toxic chemicals and impregnating them into materials. We're doing something quite different. Uh, it's sustainable. It's safe for food and water and the aquatic ecosystem and so on. So we've got the best performing, the most uh, environmentally responsible and uh, a relatively straightforward regulatory uh, approach to the marketplace. If, plus, it's quite versatile. We can put it into nearly any kind of plastic, or we haven't found anything that we can't do so far. You know, there seems to be a lot of interest in this. So uh, we've spoken at a few coatings conferences over the last year, and the ECC is going to be the biggest one coming up very soon. Zach, I can remember you at your first pitch day. Yeah, it seems like, uh, it seems like ages ago, and yet uh, so little time has passed. How long ago was that? Was that three or was that four years ago? It's going on four years. My toddler turned three just on March 15th a couple days ago, and that's actually the day that we consider Exigence was born as well. That was our last uh, academic or a student um, competition, so... Uh, the kid and the company are both still alive, and they're both three years old. <laughs> Isn't that something? Well, congratulations. Happy birthday to your little one. Tell us about Exigence. Uh, well, you know, it's a, it's a long story. It's been uh, quite the adventure for us, but um, it was one of those sharp right-hand turns in life that you don't necessarily um, anticipate coming, which is probably for the best because uh, sometimes you just need to let these things happen. So, you know, it started while I was doing my master's in business uh, at the Asper School. And at the time, I was employed in the aerospace industry. I was a mechanical engineer working with materials. And I got a fairly innocuous phone call out of the blue from one of the uh, professors. And 
uh, concept was that we were going to build a commercialization plan around uh, something. Turned out to be some university technology, and it was supposed to be in an academic construct. It'll be fun, he said. So the idea was we were going to travel across the United States and participate in some business planning competitions. Uh, so I agreed to join the team. And when we started, we needed to form a plan around something. So what we started to do was to comb through some different university technologies. Hold on. I want to stop you right there. So your professor wants you to get involved in these business plan competitions. You've conceived this and hatched this plan without knowing exactly what business you were going to pitch in these competitions? Yeah, exactly. So uh, the first four or six months or so essentially was to, you know, form a plan, work on it, kind of uh, uh, take it out for a test run and determine what kind of business it was that we wanted to build. Wow. And, uh, you know, we had an understanding that we wanted to plan it around uh, a technology uh, construct. We think that's, you know, building the Manitoba knowledge economy is, you know, where the future lies for us. So, you know, in um, engaging in that, uh, we did not know exactly which technology we thought had the commercial potential. And, you know, you would think that you invent something in the laboratory and that's, you know, Eureka and you're it, uh, that that's done. You have a patent and away you go. But I've learned so much in the last four years that that's really just where you're getting started. And there's so much work left to do. So we were combing through some different patents. It worked out fairly well that the university had changed its policy at that time, and we're still continuing to work through it. And the university has very much been a partner with us through this journey that they've done a great job of having some incredible inventions over the last uh, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. But a lot of them have not seen the light of day because there haven't been the people to put the money and the hard work in to actually uh, you know, take this through the you know, technical valley of death. So, um, you know, that's when I met Darren Fast, the director of the tech transfer office, and he essentially walked into a room one day and left a pile of uh, papers on the table and said, this patent does this, and this one I'm not quite sure what it is, and you guys can figure this one out. So uh, this began the process of myself and eventually my um, uh, business partner, Sherry Governo, and co-founder, Javier Noodler, uh, sorting through some of these different technologies, and one really caught our eye. It was presented to us as an ability to prevent the spread of infections in the healthcare environment on fabrics. So it was fairly confined in terms of, you know, this is the product and this is what it is and, and why and how it can help. Um, but what it was able to offer had obvious commercial utility. Uh, it performed so much better than anything that was available in the marketplace today. Um, and so that's kind of where, where we got started. We actually selected it at the time because we thought it'd be relatively easy to form a plan around. <laughs> and uh, that certainly hasn't been the case. But and an extremely tangible need within the healthcare industry, right? Like uh, Brett and I were talking earlier, and the, that old saying that if you weren't sick before you went in the hospital, you will be when you leave. And it's kind of a sick joke, but there is some truth around that because keeping hospitals oh, clean is a huge challenge. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's it's surprising. Um you know, healthcare-associated infections are among the top three or four causes of death in Canada and the United States. I saw a report from the United Kingdom uh, that came out about a year ago. It actually estimates that uh, infections acquired while in the hospital are going to take more lives by 2050 than cancer, so 10 million lives a year. And it's actually estimated to be a 3% drag on global GDP by that time. That's about what they estimated would cost to solve climate change right now. So within about 35 years, 
we're looking at another another climate change size problem in terms of uh, resistant infections in the hospital system, but uh, nobody's really talking about it right now. That is something that we're going to have to deal with. Zach Wolf is the CEO of Exigence Technologies, a Winnipeg-based company that has developed an antimicrobial surface coating. Zach will be in Germany next month at the European Coating Show. More of our conversation coming up in moments. Meckling and McGarry on 680 CJOB. I'm Brett, he is Greg, and one of the things that we like to do on this show is celebrate Winnipeg success stories. This half hour, we are doing just that with Zach Wolf, who just a couple of years ago was a student entrepreneur pitching a great idea. He is now the CEO of Exigence Technologies, which has developed amazing technology and antimicrobial surface coating that has seemingly limitless potential for applications in medicine and the food industry. Zach is going to be in Germany next month to speak at the European Coatings Show, which is an event attended by 30,000 people. We spoke to Zach earlier today. More of a conversation now to find out where Exigence is at in 2017. So this was presented as, you know, fabrics in the healthcare system. And one thing I've learned is that every antimicrobial company starts off thinking that they're in the medical space and healthcare. Uh, but one of the things that really spoke to me, um, and for those or most people who aren't familiar with what our technology is and does, basically, we take a material, we change it in terms of its chemical characteristics. You wouldn't know it's any different, but now when you wash it down with mild solutions of common household bleach, what it does is it stabilizes that bleach. So this surface is basically continuing to clean itself for as much as a year, whereas if you just clean a surface with bleach a couple minutes later, it can get dirty again. Now... I think every one of us have experienced uh, food poisoning at some time in our lives. So that's a very tangible thing that we can all remember that terrible, terrible day uh, when uh, you were not traveling very far from the closest restroom. And if you take that a step further, I grew up uh, on a farm, agricultural family. Uh, my mother taught me how to cook. And I always remember when you're preparing the Christmas bird, you have that bucket of bleach right there and you know, you're know you washing constantly all, all day. And we've all had that experience where you know, grandpa or uncle didn't quite cook the bird properly or the stuffing was not quite right. And uh, the next day, 30 people weren't too happy with grandpa or uncle. So when I think about that uh, concept and keeping my own kitchen clean and how I approach food safety, it makes a lot of sense coming from, a, you know, an industrial environment. And I was in you know, manufacturing and processing. How hard would it be to keep a factory clean that makes 10 million birds a quarter? And you have to turn that out. And you know, it's very easy to conceptualize that there'd be very large challenges in that kind of environment. So, you know, going back to where we had the technology at the time, it worked. That part was clear. How to integrate it and to apply it to different kinds of materials and coatings and how to use it and fully understand it. None of that was established. And in the early parts of um, the company, when it was myself and my co-founder Sherry working uh, full time, we were trying to figure out, A, how, do, how does it work? How do we use it? And, and B, who cares? Um, and then also, what are the big barriers to market in terms of regulatory? And it's very complex in terms of chemicals and disinfection in Health Canada, the United States, and, and so on. But we started to have some breakthroughs when we realized that we're best off not to do this ourselves. There's major companies that already have this global perspective and supply chains and relationships with multi-billion dollar companies. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. We just need to be good at what we do. So we started approaching these large companies and explaining to them, this is the technology, this is our concept of it, these are some ways that it could be used. But we've also always tried to leave room for more of an effectuation approach than a causation, which is to say, we don't necessarily know how is the best way to use it in your business. I have some ideas. When I go to the major food processors and I say, look, this is the concept. 
I know you bleach your surfaces multiple times a day and then you shut down for five or eight hours a day and you have to clean and disinfect and this is part of your routine. If I was able to tell you that, I can now just coat your surfaces and you do what you continue doing. But when you bleach it and you go back into operations, if that first piece of chicken that comes down the line has some Campylobacter or salmonella or some type of bacteria on it that can make you sick, it's not going to transfer to every other piece of chicken. And, you know, I'm just testing a concept. Is that interesting? And heads start nodding pretty quickly. And then we start, you know, moving down that process. So, you know, that is where we intend to go as a company. There's other things, many other things that technology can be used for, like the medical fabrics and in, you know, other areas, even just keeping workwear clean. But that's kind of the ultimate goal that we'd like to achieve. We have some good conversations with some major um, food processors in various sectors and the problems in, in yogurt and uh, lettuce and poultry are all different. So after you get that initial, yes, that sounds interesting. Then we get into the kind of technical details about, and then what else can it do? And what do we need to do and take those requirements back to the lab so we know exactly what to work on? I mean, we think about this in simple terms, and I think you did a great job of, of, of taking it back to something we can all relate to and then expanding that to a different type of industrial application and, and handing people the, the option to do what they think might work with the technology. Chi-Chi's was a very popular restaurant here in Winnipeg for a long time. They essentially fell off the restaurant map based on essentially an E. coli outbreak in their chives, in their onions. It destroyed their business. Yeah, certainly. It's uh, it's more common and, and prevalent than I think a lot of people realize. The average uh, cost of a food recall <clears throat> to a processing company is $10 million. I believe the stat is that if you could reduce, <coughs> pardon me, uh, a one percent reduction in foodborne illness in the United States in a single year would save seven hundred million dollars. My word! So you know you just have to fiddle around the edges to make an impact on this problem, and there's a lot of economic benefit to it. And what we're offering is really not that expensive. We're talking about acrylics, epoxies, coatings that are already commonly used, and we're learning how to um, modify and improve our special magical molecules so that you can just introduce it, and it's part of these coating systems and the coatings do everything they used to do, and now something else that's beneficial. It doesn't change the composition of any of those those things, except in terms of how it can build this barrier to, to penetration by E. coli and, and other uh, microbes. Yeah, no, I'll confess, in my undergrad, I was uh, a very poor chemistry student. <laughs> but uh, the last three or four years, I've been lucky to work with some very excellent chemical minds, and they've, they've taught me a lot. Uh, now, whenever you're modifying, um, you know, you're pulling levers in these you know, chemical systems. So there's action, reaction, yeah, exactly. typical science stuff, right? Yeah. So there will be some impact on it. But that's, um, you know, what we come back to in addressing and solving those issues and making sure that uh, it still meets all the other requirements that a coding has to. <coughs> so you've told us a lot of fascinating stuff, but I think what blows me away is the fact that this comes out of a stack of folders that you were presented with. Here are some great ideas, some things that have been patented, they've been proven to be effective, but they have been, to this point, uh, not marketed, not brought to market. And so are there other opportunities in that pile of file folders from four and a half or five years ago that are just waiting for other individuals like you to, to commercialize them? Oh, I would say certainly. Um, w- without a doubt, there's other things that have potential. <coughs> Pardon me. It, one thing I can say is that it's not immediately clear um, 
what the utility of a technology is, what direction it should be taken, and you may have to progress a certain uh, distance down the path until you find out there's some insurmountable barrier. So that's the unfortunate thing about technology commercialization. But there's definitely opportunities there, and it requires somebody who's willing to do the hard work. Um, it requires people who are willing to support the person doing the hard work financially. And, um, you know, a lot of effort and a bit of luck. And really, that's that's what there is to it. And I can say that I've worked with different universities across Canada and different institutions in the U.S. and so on. I really think that the U of M has the best policy. Uh, they've been very um, uh, reactive to our um, input uh, as we go along because this was a fairly new policy. We are the ones out in the world uh, dealing with the large companies and whether it's from a financial or commercial perspective, just realizing how do we need to structure this company so that we can succeed? What does our intellectual property portfolio have to look like? And then how can we benefit the university and be equal partners in this? And the relationship has changed as we've moved along. Zach Wolf is the CEO of Exigence Technologies, a Winnipeg-based company with groundbreaking technology in antimicrobial surface coating. He will be in Germany next month to speak at the European Coating Show. Then in June, he will be at the Future Food Tech Conference in New York. Dr. Cyrus joins us after Global News on 680 CJOB.